0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, in today's gospel, we hear one of the most disturbing, unnerving parables that Jesus ever preached. Now, I've said to you before, the parables, almost by definition, are disturbing and unnerving. Their purpose is as it were, to dismantle the world of sin that we've created and to show us a new world. That's why they're often funny and strange, and and we, we wonder at them. They're turning our conventional world upside down and showing us the way God operates. Well, the one today, the story of the generous landowner, is one of the most puzzling and disturbing of all the stories Jesus told. We know the outline of the story well. A landowner goes out to hire workers for his field. Common practice in Jesus' time. Also relatively common even uh, in our culture today. He goes out to hire workers very early in the morning. Then he goes out a little bit later, hires some more workers. Goes out at midday, then at 3 o'clock, and then at the very end of the day, calling more and more people into his field to harvest, to work. Then the workday ends. He says, call the workers for their wages, but those whom I called last, bring them first. So overcome those who have just worked maybe for a half hour or 45 minutes in the field. And he pays them the full daily wage. And those hired early on, of course, say, hey, this is great. We're going to be paid more. We worked all day. When they come, he pays them the same daily wage. Well... They're indignant. And I would submit most of us reading this story are indignant. This is unfair, isn't it? Do you ever notice, by the way, little tiny kids have a very keen sense of the virtue of justice. Many other virtues they don't understand yet, but for some reason, even little tiny kids understand justice. How often a kid will say, it's just not fair. What you're doing here isn't fair. Well, that's precisely our reaction. Listen how the landowner explains what he's about. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? Okay, that's the explanation. But are we really satisfied with it? there are many people listening to this story in our time or jesus time who would say oh yeah that makes sense no there's still in us that nagging sense that little kid in us that says it's still not fair these people worked for nine hours those people worked for a half hour and they're being paid the same something is not computing here well this is always the point of a parable it's to find that place where it's not computing And to say, okay, a shift has happened. Our way of thinking is not God's way of thinking. Ah, ah. Now we go back to reading one for this week, which is taken from the prophet Isaiah. Listen. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are my ways your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. Ah, the parable of Jesus now is bringing us right to this point where we're going to see why this is the case. God's ways, our ways, God's thinking, our thinking. Don't always coincide. Let me give you just two perspectives on this story. Two takes on this parable. First of all, God's justice. Supreme justice? Yes, absolutely. The best justice, the fullest justice. Is it the same as ours? Hardly. Hardly. God's sense of righteousness? Same as ours? Hardly. God's way of measuring? Same as ours? Hardly. Go back to the example of a little kid. How often in a family, a little kid will find the way his parents deal with him unfair? The way punishment is meted out? It's unfair. It's not right. The way he's compelled to to go to bed when he's not the least bit tired? It's unfair. A little kid will see what his parents are up to, and it will just make no sense to him. Now, the difference between the mind of a little kid and the mind of his parents, and now the difference between our minds and the mind of God. Why do the ways of parents seem unfair to a kid? Because the parent sees so much more. The parent understands so much more, grasps so much more of the world. The child sees from a very narrow perspective the perspective of his own needs and wants and so on. But the parent sees this much wider, much more capacious context. And so, of course, to the kid, the parent's judgments and decisions can often seem unfair, unjust. Now we, vis-a-vis God, how do we see things? Truly enough, accurately enough, but from a very narrow perspective. We see one tiny bit of space and time. That's all we can take in. Are we surprised that therefore there are things that strike us as unjust, that are not unjust from the standpoint of God? God who takes in the whole of space and the whole of time. God that sees all that could possibly be the case. God's judgments? It's unfair. It's not right. Who are we to say? Who are we to be pontificating about that you see how jesus uses this story now to shake us out of our complacency that we understand all the nooks and crannies of reality we understand all of the implications applications consequences of things we don't but god does and therefore god's ways that can seem unjust to us correspond to this much higher justice Look, do we often find ourselves in the position of the people in this parable? Yes, all the time. Why do innocent people suffer? It's not right. It's not fair. As I record these words now, we're just in the wake of the terrible hurricane over New Orleans. We look at the suffering of the people there and we say, well, it just isn't right. It's not fair. How how can we justify that? You see, wicked people sometimes who prosper wicked people, murderers and cheats and scoundrels who live, it seems, happy, healthy, successful lives. And we say it's not fair. Jeremiah says that. Lord, why do the ways of the wicked prosper? We often find ourselves in precisely this position of complaining about God's injustice. Is the parable telling us God's ways are not our ways? Is the parable telling us In regard to God, we are like little children, taking in one tiny bit of reality. Trust. Trust. That God's way is just, even when it doesn't seem that way. Go back to the parable for a second with this in mind. So, these men worked for eight hours, nine hours. Others worked for a half hour. It's not fair they're paid the same. What if the landowner saw something, though, that those first workers didn't see? What if he saw in his compassion that they had spent a terrible day? These men who waited all day long, they need to feed their family. They're waiting out in the hot sun. There's no one there to hire them. Think of their anxiety. Think of their fear. Think of their sense of failure. So, yes, they only work for a half hour, but maybe he's rewarding them for, he's giving them recompense for, A very difficult day. What if that landowner knew something about those he hired at noon? Maybe he knew those people were suffering in some other way. And so, sure, they didn't work as long or as hard. But perhaps they deserved this extra reward. Who are we to say? Who are we to be passing judgment on God's justice? Here's now a second perspective on this story. Friends, we sinners are very susceptible to a reward-centered understanding of our relationship to God. If I do thus and so, I do what God tells me, well, then I'll be rewarded by God. If I follow the commandments, I'll get rewarded. If I live the way Jesus wants me to live, well, then I'll get uh, good things. Is that always the case? Hardly. Again, use the analogy of kids. Let's say you're a coach, baseball coach. You're trying to lure a gifted kid into the playing of the game. What might you do? You might at first reward him. He has a good hit, you praise him. Good job. They play a good game, you bring the kids to the ice cream parlor afterwards. You reward them for the game. Maybe a coach is going to see that one of his kids needs a lot of encouragement. So he'll praise him, even though his play was not nearly as good as the play of some other kid who doesn't need as much praise. Sure, you lure kids into the baseball game through a reward system. Or you're teaching someone to play the piano, and they're working through some simple melody. Good. You praise them. Good job. I'm proud of you. They play a more difficult piece, and and you give them some other reward. That's the way we draw kids into difficult tasks. Now, 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 here's the tragedy. If those kids never grow out of the reward system, they don't play the game for the sheer fun of it, the joy of it. They don't play the piano for the sheer joy and excitement of it. But they're caught in this kind of weird neurotic reward system. The whole point of those rewards is to get them to love the game. That's what matters. To love the piano for its own sake, that's what matters. Whether you get ice cream or not afterwards is a matter of indifference. The sheer exuberance of playing. Now, now, now. The spiritual life, same thing. Friendship with God. Do we lure people, even especially kids, do we lure kids into this maybe through a reward system? Yeah, sure. Say your prayers, go to Mass, do this, do that, and I'll reward you with praise or with something else. Fine, fine, for little kids, as a way of drawing them into it. But how tragic if we get caught in, for the rest of our lives, the same childish reward system. I go to Mass, so I expect rewards from God. I pray, I expect good things to happen to me. Well, it doesn't work that way. No, it's the sheer exuberance of the friendship itself that is its own reward. Whether good or bad things happen around us, that's, that's inconsequential. What matters is the playing of the game. What matters is the friendship with God. So here, these people were paid the same who worked nine hours, those who worked a half hour. Who cares? The point of it is, the work itself is its own reward. That we're given the opportunity to work in the vineyard of the Lord, that's what matters, not the rewards. Break out of that silly, childish system. Realize that being given the opportunity to work for the Lord, yes, all day long, that's what matters. And stop playing the game of comparing yourself to other people and who's getting rewarded or not. Let this parable sink in your soul a bit. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.